Well, good morning, High Life, and uh, welcome to our service. Um, for those who have been following us, uh, we started a series uh, a few weeks ago uh, examining uh, the anatomy and operations of the new creation. I trust you have, um, uh, have been enjoying the series and found it productive as much as I have enjoyed um, exploring these insights with you. Uh, today we're going to focus, or we're going to continue on this in the series, but focus on uh, the aspect of righteousness, the aspect of righteousness. And, and I want us to, um, we're going to kick off from um, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 24, uh, where we stopped um, last week. But before we do that, let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we're just so thankful uh, for this journey, this exciting journey you've been leading us into. Uh, thank you for your help. Uh, thank you for lighting our candles and enlightening our darkness. For the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Yeah, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Uh, thank you for revealing to us um, who we are in you. Uh, thank you for opening our eyes um, so that we can begin to know even as we are known. Uh, Holy Spirit, we rely on your help this morning uh, to give us insight and revelation that we may be truly transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read Ephesians 4, 24. Uh, we're going to start from there. It says, And be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life. And live in union with him. Be transformed as you do two things. As you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life. And live in union with him. For God has recreated you. So the, there are two parts to this verse. The earlier part talks about what we are meant to do. Uh, we are meant to embrace the glorious Christ within life. And live in union with him. I'm going to spend a lot of time exploring how to do that but before you can do there must be a foundation of reality the reason why we have a christ within that we must embrace the reason why we can live in union with him is because of something that has already taken place okay uh, and that's the foundation on which we can build and that foundation is given in the second verse second part of the verse it says for or because because God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness and you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. You and I in Christ have been recreated all over again. We're not just forgiven. We're not just redeemed. We have been recreated. We're a new species that never existed before. The Kainos creation um, after the order of the last Adam. It says you have been recreated all over again in his perfect righteousness. And you now belong to him in the realm of holiness. So today we're going to focus on righteousness. What is righteousness? How do we become righteous and as we embrace revelation truth we're going to depart from everything that is religious and when i say religious i mean the 
the order um, and practice um, that has that has um, originated from man's attempt to be accepted by God. Everything to do with that. Um, everything that has found its origin in man, um, templated or tempered from um, the position of the fallen man in trying to reach a holy God, is religious. So as we embrace revelation truth, which is coming God word, which is coming from God as opposed to from man, we're going to depart from everything that we know and have accepted as the way we approach God. It says again that God has recreated you and I all over again in his perfect righteousness and you belong to him in the realm of true holiness. So what is righteousness and how do we become righteous? You know, many years ago, I, um, I came across a handout um, by a minister called Mark Hankins. Uh, this is decades ago. Uh, I wouldn't tell you which decade because it sort of, you know, ages me. Well, I'll tell you, it was in the 80s, uh, in the late, late 80s, and, um, and, and it really changed my life. And it still continues to change my life as I go back to that handout, which I've had for decades now. Um, the, he, he wrote a handout on righteousness, and I'm going to be reading his introduction um, in that handout, and, or from the handout, and, um, and then we're going to start exploring a few verses of scripture. Now, again, all these things that we're exploring are for our meditation. You know, we talked about the fact that reality um, leads to revelation. Revelation is always a revelation of reality. And as we, as we embrace revelation, um, we enter into new experiences that transform us permanently. And that's what we're interested in. We're interested in transformation. Not just revelation, but transformation. You know, I, I love quoting from Watchman Nee that says, Revelation is like a flash of light. <clears throat> but transformation happens only as we stare into the light. So everything we're sharing is for our practical consumption through meditation and ascension. Because it is only then that we'll enter into proper understanding, um, which uh, leads to experiences and transformation. Okay, we're not interested in just having discussions and excitement about what we have. No, we, we want to press into it. So I'm going to read uh, a few paragraphs from his handout on righteousness and then um, and then we'll, we would look at verses that actually substantiate the claims that he makes because we must establish our hearts and truth. He says, righteousness is the state or condition of being righteous. The English word literally means right-wiseness, right-wiseness. In Christ as believers, we have become the righteousness of God. This means we have been judged righteous by God. So righteousness is not something we achieve through practice, but something it has been, we have been judged righteous by God. Thinking about Ephesians 4.24 that says we have been recreated all over again in his perfect righteousness. Let me continue. It says this means we've been judged righteous by God and meet with his approval according 
to his own standard of what rightness is. Do you feel you meet God's approval? If, you, if your heart is struggling with that, then it means that we need to establish our hearts in God's um, standard of righteousness. Not our standard, but God's standard of righteousness. Okay? So it says it, it means God views us as perfectly righteous. As righteous as he himself is. Okay? God views us as perfectly righteous. As righteous as he himself is. We need to, we need to, we need to break that down. And we will in some verses in a few minutes. He says in the new birth, our spirits receive the divine nature. This nature includes divine righteousness. The fact that we are the righteousness of God means we have become actual partakers of God's own righteous nature. So we not only have been pronounced righteous by God, we are new creations having God's righteous nature within us. He said the subject of righteousness is one of the most misunderstood in the Bible. When we hear the word righteous, we instinctively think of deeds or actions, behavior. The Bible does use the word this way, but the primary use is as a state or a condition or nature. The primary use is as a state, condition or nature. We are made righteous in the new birth by faith in Jesus Christ. We are then to let that righteous nature dominate our actions. Right actions follow rightness of being, not vice versa. Right actions follow righteousness of being and not vice versa. So you get righteous first and then you yield to that nature. So because you're righteous, you can have right actions. But before you have the right actions, you are already righteous. Righteousness follows, it follows rightness of being. Uh, so you are righteous before you take any act that proves your righteousness. Righteousness follows rightness of being and not vice versa. Last week we talked about metamorpho and soon schematizo, the difference between a change of form that is in alignment with your nature as opposed to masquerading something, you know, like faking it until you make it. That is not, that is not metamorpho, that is son schematizo, which is not what we're talking about. Righteous actions follow righteousness and not vice versa. So let us uh, spend the rest of our time together um, looking at verses of scripture that substantiate the claims he is making or he has made. Let us start by reading, F, um, or by looking at Romans uh, chapter 10. I'll read four verses from there. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation by default. Paul says, my beloved brothers and sisters, the passionate desire of my heart and constant prayer to God 
is for my fellow Israelites to experience salvation. For I know that although they are deeply devoted to God, they are unenlightened. There is no revelation. They are deeply devoted to God. They, they, they observe religious practices, but those practices fall short because they are unenlightened. It's not based on truth. It's based on a, a structure that man has devised and feel will be pleasing to God. Let's continue. Verse 3 says, And since they've ignored the righteousness God gives, wanting instead to be acceptable to God because of their works, they've refused to submit to God's faith righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law. And because of him, because of Christ, God has transferred his perfect righteousness to all who believe. So righteousness, <clears throat> rightness, is not something we achieve. Rightness, God righteousness, is faith righteousness, which is a righteousness that is transferred. It is transferred. It is transferred. It is not a process. It is transferred to all who believe. So the question is, has the righteousness of God been transferred to you or not? Does your heart embrace the fact that it has been transferred? What is the proof that that righteousness has been transferred to you? According to this verse, it has been transferred, God transferred his perfect righteousness to all to all who believe. To all who believe. L let us look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that, so that we might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. Okay? So it's pointing to the sacrifice of Christ as the only um, basis and the only means through which righteousness is transferred. Yeah, it says, the one who did not know sin became sin for us so that, so that, so that, so that, so that, so that we might become we might become, not that we might proceed into, but we might become as an act of transfer through our union with him. Union with him. Union with him. Let us um, look at another passage. Let's look at Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. Paul says, I refuse to be ashamed of the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved, the Jew first, and then people everywhere. Now he says the Jew first because it was to the Jews um, that the covenant of righteousness by faith was first unveiled. Um, and then through them, like God said to Abraham, you know, um, 
you know, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Um, so through them, then everybody else. Verse 17 says, this gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness. A perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. Those words are significant. It's given to us. That rightness of being, that acceptance with God is given to us when we believe. And it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. This is what the scripture means when it says we are right with God through life given faith. Okay, let's look at the Lover translation. I'm going to read a part of that passage uh, of Romans 1, 16 to 17. It says, speaking about righteousness or speaking about um, um, the gospel, it says it is a power which emanates from God and saves all who believe in it. And it says it reveals God's way of making men as righteous as himself. Of making men, it the gospel reveals God's way of making men as righteous as himself. It is a process which beginning to end is entirely by faith. As the scriptures says, he who receives his life by faith is made right with God. So this rightness of nature comes from, our, from God. It is a rightness that, um, like 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, he was made to be sin for us when you know sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The righteousness of God, that rightness of God, is the same nature that God has. Um, and the gospel reveals God's way of making men as righteous as himself. Making men as righteous as himself. Giving men his nature. Ephesians 4.24 says, after God we are created, giving men his right nature. In your heart, do you see yourself as righteous as God himself? If you don't, if you struggle with that, then your heart needs to be um, educated, retrained into truth. Um, Mike Dichter, who is the famous um, famous NFL championship coach uh, for many years, um, he made this statement, and I believe it underscores the importance of what we're talking about. He said, you cannot win until you think you are worthy to win. You cannot win until you think you are worthy to win. Now, the basis of that thought of your worthiness um, has to be truth. Yeah, has to be truth because it, it, you, you can think positive as much as you want, but you know, if you if you if if the basis of your positive thought is not based on truth. Then when you when you face challenges, the, the truth of that situation will 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 undermine um, your ability to engage and to win. An army that does not believe they can win will never win. 
even an army that believes they can win, but when they get on the battlefront, they see that the uh, the enemy is um, is much better, much stronger, much smarter, much more than themselves. Um, they might say they believe they can win all they want, but the truth will undermine their belief system. And that's why our hearts must be established in truth. And the truth about righteousness established by scripture will help us have that confidence um, to win. Mark in his, Mark Hankins in his handout makes this statement. He says a lack of understanding or a misunderstanding about righteousness will hinder everything else in the Christian life, everything else. Uh, because your ability to lay hold of what God has made available to us in Christ will be hindered if we do not understand the basis of our worthiness to receive it. He says a right understanding and a revelation of what righteousness is and what it gives will enhance everything else in the Christian life. It is just uh, that fundamental and important. So that's why it's important that we feed on the truth um, and we, we allow that truth to make us free uh, and, and usher us into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. I remember a dream the Lord gave me uh, many years ago now and it was trying to instruct me or, or, or um, yeah, it was trying to instruct me in this aspect of righteousness because if you're not careful, you might say one thing but believe something totally different. And in this dream, you know, I was with a minister, uh, someone I knew very well. And, uh, you know, he was doing great. You know, I was, I was meeting with him in his, his house. He had a lovely home. And, um, you know, he had, um, I think it was like an iPad that was, um, you know, that was made out of gold, actually. It was a gold iPad, a real gold iPad. So it was very exclusive, very expensive. And, but the way he was speaking, you know, he was sort of bragging um, and he was talking about, you know, how the Lord had given him this and the Lord had given him that. And, you know, he was going to tear down his old structure and build something new. And he was sort of bragging, you know, and he, he talked about, you know, so when I looked, when I saw the iPad, I made a comment about it. And I said, oh, you know, if I want one, he'll just have his secretary give me one and all that. But while I was bragging, um, in my heart, you know, I, I was questioning why the Lord will bless someone like this, you know, who was clearly not as humble as I was, at least in my mind. That was what I was thinking in the dream. And uh, as I had those thoughts, uh, the Lord spoke to me in the dream and he said, he said, son, um, this minister is dealing with me on the basis of being my son and on the basis of his righteousness in me. But you are dealing with me on the basis of, and then I woke up from the dream. And in that dream, I, I, from that dream, as I thought about it, I realized that the way I was engaging with God, now you see, righteous actions are valid and powerful and real. And, um, and you know, Righteous actions must follow or will follow a rightness of nature. But the basis of everything we receive from God is not righteous actions. It is 
our rightness in him. And true humility is accepting who God says we are and operating from that understanding. Um, and, and that corrected my heart. And the Lord, you know, the Lord is very gracious. He corrected me and, and, I, and I began to adjust to that because I realized that what I considered myself to deserve from God was always based on how I thought I was doing and how well I was doing. And that is not the basis of righteousness. You see, Mark says that righteousness consciousness, that is becoming increasingly conscious that we are the very righteousness of God in Christ, will have these effects um, upon our lives. And he lists 11 effects, which I want to list here. He says, number one, it will free us from a sense of guilt and unworthiness. Okay, you can see that in uh, Romans um, chapter um, 8, verse 1. It would free us from a sense of guilt and unworthiness. A sense of guilt and unworthiness will affect your ability to lay hold of what God has made available to you. You know how the Bible says in... Um, in Ephesians 6, 16, I believe, where he said we should, we should take the, he says, above all, speaking about the weapons of our warfare, it says we should, um, we should take up the shield of faith with which we can quench every attack of the enemy. The shield of faith. When we say the shield of faith, what do we mean? The shield of faith in what? The shield of faith in our righteousness and our worthiness in him. Yeah, like Romans 1 says, it starts from faith and leads to faith. The devil is going to attack you. The devil is going to tell you you don't deserve it. The devil is going to attack every inch of every goal, every vision God gives you. Your ability to stand strong in confidence, advancing based on the revelation God gives you, is based on your worthiness, your sense of worthiness that you can do it. You know, at the beginning, um, last week we talked about Ephesians 2.10 and talk about how God has prepared works before and for us to achieve. And he says we are God's workmanship. He has recreated us so we can achieve everything. Your sense of being able to achieve what God um, reveals to you is based on your sense of your worthiness in him. So the devil will attack you. He'll tell you don't deserve it. He'll tell you you are not worthy. He'll tell you how can you get this or how can you do that or you know who do you think you are. Those are spiritual attacks, real attacks in the realm of, of, the, of the spirit. And the only way you can quench those darts is when you lift up the shield of faith, your faith in your rightness. The very rightness that you have is the very rightness that God has. So number one, it will free us from the sense of guilt and unworthiness. Number two, it will free us from the frustration of struggling to be accepted by God. Look at Ephesians 1 6. It says, We are the we are the accepted in the beloved. That struggle to be accepted by God. Your acceptance is not based on anything you've done or, or haven't done. Your acceptance is based on what has been transferred to you, based on what Christ has done. Number three, it will free us from the fear of the consequences of sin that are in the world. If you look at Romans 5, 9 and, and Isaiah 54, 14, the sense of the consequences of sin. I remember many years ago, I was talking to somebody who was trying to, who was believing God to have a child. And, and one of the things she said was, um, 
could it be that I'm not having a child because of, you know, it's the consequences of the things I've done, things I did when I was not a Christian or even some of the my misbehavior after I became uh, a Christian. Um, that fear of the consequences of sin that come out of um, a works consciousness will affect your ability to believe God. Yeah, A righteous consciousness eradicates that. Number four, it will produce a sense of peace and security in our relations with God and man. Look at Romans 8.31 and Isaiah 52.17. Number five, it will cause our whole being to swing over into harmony with God. Look at Romans 1.16 and Romans 5.1. Number six, it will free us from oppression and fear. Isaiah 54, 14, Genesis 3, 9 and 10. Number seven, it frees us from a sense of inadequacy. Inadequacy. Hebrews 13, um, verse 5. It talks about God being my helper. That sense of inadequacy. The Lord will never leave me. He will never forsake me. Why? Because I am his and he is mine. I have his very nature. He is pleased with me. I am accepted in his love. He looks at me and he sees himself. I have his very nature. So it frees us from a sense of inadequacy. Number eight, it will give us a great freedom and boldness to enter the Father's presence. Revolutionary, revolutionizing our prayer life. Look at Hebrews 10, 16 to 22. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 12. And... Um, James 5.16, we have boldness to enter the very presence of God because the basis of our entrance um, is that consciousness of the blood that speaks, is our consciousness of the nature we have. That must be our consciousness. Otherwise, the very first thing we're going to start doing when we want to enter God's presence is seeing how we can be cleansed and seeing if we are worthy. And that is not the basis on which we can receive um, 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 grace from the throne of grace. Number nine, the righteous conscience will give us boldness before the enemy who accuses us. Um, you know, the uh, Revelation 12.10 talks about the accuser of the brethren. The devil will always accuse you. He will always accuse you. He, that's, that is one of his strategies against the advancing army. But it gives us boldness before the enemy who accuses us. Uh, look at Ephesians 6.14 talking about um, um, the, the weapons of our warfare and, and being able to stand um, against every wile of the enemy. Number 10, it is a fertilizer of faith. Okay, um, one translation of Romans 1.16 says, I believe it's a good speed translation, says it is out of the soil of faith that will grow up into real life. Okay, it opens, it's a fertilizer of faith, opening the door wide to everything God has to give. Uh, Romans 5, 2, talking about we have an access by faith into this grace. You know, there are things that the Lord um, wants us to walk in and he's unveiling to us. There, And we talked about, last week we talked about the cherubic function of the new creation man. We talked about the, 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 the divine mandate going beyond space and time. Your ability to engage with those truths is uh, based on you accepting the fact that you are as righteous as God is. You accepting the fact that you are worthy, as worthy as Christ is. Without accepting those facts, you know, these things we're discussing about our inheritance will just be like fantasy to you. Yes, it may sound great, 
But in terms of you advancing in it, you will never advance in it. Uh, because you don't consider yourself worthy. Who am I to think I can do this or I can do that or I'm worthy of this? So um, righteousness consciousness is a fertilizer of faith to engage with those things that the Lord continues to reveal. And lastly, number 11, it would inhibit sin because righteousness is a power that when yielded to causes our actions to be right. Look at Romans 6, 13, 17, and 18. Yeah, it will inhibit sin, okay? Right actions follow a growing consciousness of the righteousness of your nature, okay? It will inhibit sin. So these scriptures, these translations uh, should lead us into deliberations, meditations, confessions, ascent, uh, uh, ascension, um, which would lead us into new experiences and will begin to walk in a in the power of a transformed life. Thank you for joining us today. Looking forward to seeing you next week. God bless you.